0: Like Laura, I'm also on staff here at Calvary Church. And it's great to be able to uh, serve with you on this uh, three day weekend. It's a holiday weekend. Uh, President's Day uh, is tomorrow. Valentine's Day yesterday. Hopefully, you were with the love of your life yesterday. I know I was. I spent all day with Ron Rogalski yesterday. And uh, we, uh, we went out to Palm Springs. And we rode the Century Ride, the Tour de Palm Springs. It's a 100-mile bicycle ride through the deserts of uh, Desert Hot Springs and around Indio and, and back into Palm Springs. And they said it's 100. According to my GPS, it's actually 101 miles. So I'm going to take issue with their advertising. But uh, I bring that up only to let you know that I'm extremely fatigued this morning. And so I was thinking, you know, the topic this morning is on pride. I thought, in order to not exhaust you, and I don't want to fall asleep in the middle of my own message, I thought, how many of you think pride is a bad thing? All right, hands down. How many of you promise to never be proud again? Let's go home. Let's go to Claim Jumper. So that's, that's the message this morning. Just don't do it. Just stop. Just turn away from it. So this morning we want to obviously, seriously, deal with a very troubling topic We're in the book of Judges. We're going to look at one of the most troubling passages in the book of Judges. And it's in Judges uh, that we find this fellow by the name of Abimelech. And so I'm going to pray for us as we uh, look at this, that God would use this time to help each of us reflect a little bit on where we're at in terms of our own pride. So would you you join with me in prayer? Father, help us as we come into your word. I pray, God, that you would speak into our hearts, your spirit, who I hope is in each of our own hearts, those of us who are followers of yours, who believe in Jesus. uh, Lord, that he would teach us, he would illumine us, he would guide us. Lord, this area of pride is such an evil uh, influence, manifest in so many uh, varied ways. So guide us and help us to learn, help us to grow, as we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Overcoming Pride in Judges chapter 9, you might turn in your Bibles there. You also have an outline that is available for you, and it's exactly like the one I have in my hand here. You will want this, especially as we wrap up the message this morning, you will find it of particular interest to you as we go through it. This chapter on chapter 9, as I was thinking about this, the terrible, terrible things that are happening over there in Syria I got an email just this week from a young woman who attended here uh, for the first time last week, and I prayed with her, and she is from Syria. Her best friend was killed last week by ISIS. Her parents live in Syria, and she says, pray for my parents, and ISIS, uh, they're a Christian family, and ISIS does not take friendly to these people, and this terrible stuff that's going on over there, as you see some of the image of those uh, people of ISIS on the other side, you see Kayla Mueller who comes from one of our sort of secondary homes of Prescott, Arizona, and uh, grew up there. And uh, as you probably have heard on the news, that she was tragically killed. I found this little quote. didn't all quite fit on the screen. It says, I remember, Mom, always telling me in the day and the end, the, the one you really have is God, having surrendered myself to Him, the Creator, because literally there is no one else. And that kind of a heart, of trust and uh, really relying upon God in the midst of such terror that is taking place. So we're going to look at a, another terrorist. Abimelech is one of the original ISIS. What we're going to see Abimelech do are some of, same, some of the same things that ISIS is doing over there today. So just to brace yourselves, the horribleness of this particular chapter. And as I read through Abimelech, on the story of Abimelech, and he's right there in sort of the middle of the nation of Israel as we see it today, I thought, what in the world, why do we need to know this? The, the challenge of biblical interpretation is to come across a passage like this and say, God, why is this relevant for me today? What about this helps me in the 21st century, in my relationships, in my business, in my life? So I'm going to take from Abimelech's story those timeless principles that are still relevant for you and for me. Because pride is the root of all sins. Just about every sin you and I would ever commit comes out of pride. So as we recognize some of these qualities, I want us to go through this. And then I'm going to walk you through a process by which you can rid yourself of pride at the very end. Let me read in verse 9. The first thing that I noticed, or chapter 9, I should say, verse 1. We need to recognize the false value system of a proud life. You see that in Abimelech. Just set it up. Abimelech is the son of Gideon. Last week we looked at Gideon. Gideon's in the, in the Hebrews 11 hall of faith. Gideon is a guy that we exalt as a man who is inadequate, insufficient, unworthy. Uh, and yet God used him in a powerful way to overcome 135,000 Midianites with simply 300 men. So we honor Gideon in the the proud, noble way of faith in God's power. The sad part of Gideon's life is what we didn't get into in Judges 8. And in Judges 8, you see in Gideon, not finishing particularly well. Gideon began to compromise. It began this sort of idolatry that you see there. And it says in Judges 8 that Gideon had many wives, many wives. And Gideon had 70 sons. Can you imagine? 70 sons. How do you remember all their birthdays? How do you spend that time to help them grow up well? Not only did he have many wives, but in Judges 8, we also read that Abimelech had a concubine. I mean, having many wives is not good enough, so I'm going to keep her on the side over there in Shechem. And so he'd go over to this woman, and she probably lived with with her parents and Gideon would visit this concubine. And this concubine then had a son, and his name is Abimelech. So Abimelech is probably half Canaanite, half Jewish. So this is the man. And how tragic is it to think and realize that Gideon had a son who was on par with ISIS, the terrorist of today? Just what tragedy is that? To think of the legacy that's left behind. So it's a it's a reminder to all of us that it's not how you start out. It's not how you're doing so much in midlife. But it is how you finish and how you finish well to maintain and sustain that life of faith. So we find this son of Gideon in chapter 9. And Abimelech, the son of Jeroboam, that is the other name for Gideon. It means Baal contends because Gideon tore down the Baal worshiping of his father's household. So they gave him that name. And he became known by that name more than Gideon. So he went to Shechem. This is where he did his terrible deeds. To his mother's relatives. See, his mother, a concubine Canaanite living in Shechem. And spoke to them and to the whole clan of the household of his mother's father, saying, and here is this value system. He says, speak now in the hearing of all the leaders of Shechem. Which is better for you, that seventy men... The sons of Jeroboam, these are his half-brothers, if you will, rule over you, or that one man rule over you, referring to himself Abimelech, which means his name Abimelech means, "My father is king." And he wants to be king. And also remember that I am your born, and I am your bone and your flesh. And his mother's relatives spoke all these words on his behalf in the hearing of the leaders of Shechem, and they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, "He is our relative. And they gave him 70 pieces of silver from the house of Baal, Bereth, from which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows, and they followed him. And here is where we see the terrorist. And then he went to his father's house of Orpah, Gideon's house, and killed his brothers, the sons of Jeroboam, 70 men on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jeroboam, was left, for he hid himself. Seventy sons on one stone. How he did that one stone, is of the big place where they would harvest the wheat? We don't know. But 70 sons, he massacred 70 men on one stone with these other worthless and uh, fellows that he had. When we look at Abimelech, this is what I take away, his value system. If I've often said uh, that there are the five Ps of pride, there are three of them here, and they are these. I have value because of my position in life, what I achieve, what family I'm from. When my value is based upon those qualities, then I have pride in my life, and it's leading to a destructive course. Often proud people base their value of themselves on what they have achieved, what they have conquered, who they are and where they are from. As Gideon said, Seventy men, are you kidding me? Remember that I am bone of your bone, I am flesh of your flesh, as he said in essence, and I want to be your king. I want to conquer that. The second value system is this. The possessions of the people in my life give me value. And they gave him seventy pieces of silver from the house of baal from which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows. He is driven by what he owns, by who he controls. His possessions of life. When my value system says I have worth or value by by how much I have in the bank account, by how much I have uh, been able to accrue to my name, by the number of people that in essence I have this authority over, then I have pride. Now it's not wrong to have lots of those things, but when my value is derived from and if I think if I ever lost all that, I wouldn't have anything, well that's pride. You can lose everything and still have great value. When I am driven by that value system, I have a problem with pride. And the third P is power. I have value because of the power in my life. What and who I control. You see that in verse 5 and 6 that he went to his father's house and there he slaughtered 70 men. I have power over those people. And so a lot of us are going to be saying to ourselves at this point, I certainly said it to myself, well, God, I've never killed 70 people. I have no desire to kill 70 people. I don't even have a desire to kill one person. So, why would Abimelech be important to me? Abimelech is important to me not in what he did, but in how I become like him. Pride is that character trait where my values are based upon my position, my power, and my possessions and I will do everything I can to sustain those things. I will extract a heavy price upon those around me so that I don't lose those things. It may be an employer or a boss who doesn't care how ruthless he is to an employee if that employee is not carrying out his or her assignment the way he thinks they should and there is a high-handed authoritarian rule to somehow shame them and blame them and mock them and undermine them and their character and their personhood and devalue them because somehow they're not measuring up. Obviously they're not doing the job, we help them. But we don't do it in a destructive way if we're a follower of Jesus. So Abimelech is somewhere in a lot of people who act out in their destructive ways to other people's lives. Short of murder they are still extracting a price by the destructive nature of their anger, resentment, lack of forgiveness, bitterness. Those are character traits of pride. We'll see it again. So that's the value system. Pride is also revealed in a very unteachable spirit that rejects God's truth. One brother escaped. His name is Jotham. We see in verse 7. Now when they told Jotham he went and stood on the top... Of Mount Gerizim, and he lifted up his voice. And there was probably some sort of a rock ledge that was sort of like a natural pulpit. So he begins to preach to Abimelech and to the men of Shechem. He says in verse seven, "Listen to me, O men of Shechem, that God may listen to you." Once the trees went forth, and here is a parable, one of the first parables in the in the Bible. It's a little bit hard to understand. I'll try to make it make sense. Once the trees went forth to anoint a king over them. This is in reference to Abimelech. And they said to the olive tree, Rain over us. But the olive tree said, No, shall I leave my fatness, which God and men honored, and go to wave over the trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, You come, you reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Shall I leave my sweetness and my fruit, good fruit and go wave over the trees? And the trees said to the vine, You come, reign over us. And then in verse 13, But the vine said, Shall I leave my new wine, which cheers God and men, and go wave over the trees? And finally all the trees said to the bramble, You come and reign over us. The bramble said to the trees, If in truth you are anointing me as king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, may fire come out of the bramble and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Pride is this image being played out of a fig tree, an olive tree, and a vine. And in those images, you see a fig tree giving the sweetness of its figs. You see an olive tree giving the, the richness of its olive oil. And you see a vine giving the beauty of its grapes and its wine, each of them being productive in their own way. And the call was for each of those very productive trees or vine to be able to give to themselves in the, in the course of life those things that are needed for the people. And they called for each of them to be able to express themselves in that way. And they said, no, we're too much into what we're doing for others to stop doing so that we can have authority over you. I deny myself the authority so I can maintain my service for others. And so then the bramble bush, and here's a bramble bush, a bramble bush is a tumbleweed. Isn't this the biggest tumbleweed you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> we should bronze this thing and just keep it around. It's such so huge and so great. But you know what a tumbleweed is good for? Nothing. Nothing. It's good for nothing. Tumbleweeds just tumble and then they somehow stop and they just sit there for decades. A tumbleweed is worthless. And they said, tumbleweed, tumbleweed, Jotham says. Tumbleweed, come and rule over us. The olive tree, the fig tree, the vine. You rule over us and we'll sit in your shade, he says. And Jotham says, what a joke. And he says, Abimelech, you are a tumbleweed. And you, in your authoritarian way of slaughtering 70 sons and demanding because we are bone and flesh of you and your value system, you, Abimelech, are asking us to put you in authority over us, but you are nothing but a tumbleweed. Here's God's message to you and me. For those of us who are in pride and our value system is based upon what we have achieved, what we have accrued, what power we express and how we live that out God says you are to me a tumbleweed I thought about bringing a match and just seeing what would happen if you would never forget this day if I did that but a match would consume this in nothing and God's image for you and for me when he looks at you and me when we get into pride He says, you have become a tumbleweed to me, valueless. Now, you have value, but in your pride, you lack value. So, the point is, proud people are unteachable people. That's the point. Jotham preaches at Abimelech. Jotham says, I warn you. God is going to extract a price in your person. As you, as a man, he, you are going to pay a price for the sins of pride. And Jotham's message would be to repent of that. You are nothing but a tumbleweed. But Abimelech did not, and Jotham escaped. Abimelech's timeless principle for you and for me is that proud people are unteachable people. They do not listen to the godly advice of others who may know better than them. And so if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself this, boy, this is a perfect message for my wife. I wish she was here today. <laughs> or vice versa to your husband, to your boss, to your next door neighbor, to one with the cat that goes in your backyard. If you are here thinking about those people, thinking, my, they needed that today, then you may be nothing more than a tumbleweed. Because God's truth is always our truth that we need to learn from. And there's pride in all of us. In me, in us. We're driven. We want egotistical massages all the time. We want affirmation. We want encouragement. We want people to think that we're something valuable. And so we'll display as much as we can to look like we're somebody special. But in point of fact... There's an inadequacy within all of us, and we don't want that to be exposed. So, like Brian Williams, we will lie to somehow create a better image. And so it's a vulnerability to all of us. Pride is also a very deceptive thing, since you may experience temporary success. I just wanted to point out this one little verse in verse 22. Then Abimelech ruled over Israel for three years. For three years. Jotham has warned Abimelech, you're nothing but a tumbleweed. And so Abimelech goes on to rule for three years and we're thinking, my goodness, Lord, what's the deal? Aren't you to strike this guy down? Isn't he to pay the price for killing 70 sons, the 70 brothers? Shouldn't there be a price? How does he get away with three years? And so we ask ourselves, how is this husband? How is this wife? How is this boss? How is this parent? How are these children getting away with proud displays of a faulty value system that is empty and nothing but a tumbleweed, why do they continue to get away with it? Why does ISIS continue to get away with what they're doing when they take the lives of a Kayla Mueller and other who are Americans and other citizens and the Jewish people and delicatessen in the city of Paris, France? How do they get away with those things and continue on? Well, God somehow, and this is something I don't understand, in His sovereign rule, allows proud people to temporarily succeed. Is it in the hopes that they might repent? I don't know. But somehow God allows Abimelech to rule for three years in a ruthless, careless, arrogant, proud way. And you and I, we need to come to grips with the fact that it doesn't mean that there won't be a price to be paid. Because God still is keeping track, as we will see. We need to be aware of the divine and the natural consequences of pride because God will act. God will act against those of us who have proud issues. And these actions are displayed in verses 23 to 49 that I'm not going to take time to read the whole, but let me summarize parts of it. The first thing that I notice in verse 23 and 24 that I will read, it says, Then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech so that the violence done to the 70 sons of Jeroboam might come. See, God is beginning to move to bring about justice. But it's taken over three years for that to occur. That their blood might be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, on the men of Shechem who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. The one thing that I know for sure is that although proud people may get away with it for a while, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a parenting, whether it's in children, or whether it's in an employment position, or whether it's in government, or whether it's on the TV nightly news, God allows a certain measure of of a long leash that permits an appearance of success. But one thing you should know is that God will act. God will act. In this particular case, He sends an evil spirit. God rules over the evil spirits of this world, the demons. And He allows this demon a certain permission to come and intervene between Abimelech and the people of Shechem. And in that conflict between Abimelech and Shechem, God begins to extract justice. And I just can't help but wonder, how many times does God allow an evil spirit To disturb us in conflict. As a means to extract a price to be paid. As an opportunity to turn from my wicked ways of pride. And come back to God. How many of us are battling with this evil spirit that comes in the midst of us? He did it here. Does he do it today? Probably so. Do we know when he's doing it? I don't know. All I know is that he's competent to do it. He is capable to do it. He is probably willing to do it. And he may be doing it. And for those of us who are struggling in the conflict of life, and pride is the root source of that, and God is saying, I want to wake you up to the reality of what you're doing. And He wants to divinely intervene. I don't know when that happens, and I'm never one to say there's a demon around every corner, but there is a high sign of warning for you and me to the, the timeless principle, that God extracts a price, and He desires to confront the pride of of our lives. To bring that to the light of day. And my pride will then. Drive me. To try to control what I've achieved. And this is, the, this is the danger of pride. I don't want to lose. The position I've achieved. The possessions that I own. Or the power. In which I control others. I will fight. To maintain those things. Because it's a terrible fearful thing for a proud person to surrender their rights. We don't want to do that. We want to sustain what we have because my whole value system is there. And so we want to sustain it all and do all we can. This is what Abimelech does. There's conflict to maintain his possessions. Notice in verse 25, the men of Shechem set men in ambush against him on the top of the mountains, and they robbed all who might pass by them along the road, and it was told to Abimelech. And so here's what's happening. Shechem was a key city. Shechem was one of the places where God first visited Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God came and met Uh, uh, Abraham to reveal to him the promise of this Israel land to be his. And it was also a key city for the cross-section of the routes of the travelers and the merchants that would bring their produce and their products for sale. And what Abimelech would do is he'd set up a little tariff station. He would tax them. If you want to go through the cross-section of Shechem, then you've got to pay a certain price to be able to go through this, my kingdom." My kingdom is going to extract a tax from you, and so what was happening is that these ne'er do well people were coming in and they were stealing the taxes and the tariffs that were being paid, and so Abimelech was losing money on the deal, and so Abimelech is is losing his possessions and he's also losing his reputation because it looks weak, because he's not standing up for what is taking place there. But there's not only that conflict over losing the possessions, as God begins to help him to understand you've got a pride problem, he starts taking away his power and his position as well. And in verses 26, 26 through 49, let me summarize what happens there. You can read it on your own, but let me give you a little synopsis. There's a man in the city of Shechem, Gael, G-A-A-L and Zebel is in that city as well and Zebel is Abimelech's man in Shechem and Zebel challenges Gail because Gale says I want to take over charge it's in essence and so Zebel says you think you can take on Abimelech? I think I could take him on anybody can destroy Abimelech and so Gale then is finally by the prodding of Zebel and the warning to Abimelech. Abimelech begins to attack the city of Shechem. And as the city of Shechem is being attacked, Gale goes out to fight Abimelech. And Gale is, is defeated by Abimelech and his army. And then the next day, Abimelech comes into the city and he begins to spread salt all over the city, which is a sign that you have, you have uh, dried up. You have been poisoned. And there is no uh, thing of value that is here. And then towards the end... As Abimelech begins to destroy Shechem and the people that are in Shechem, we read this horrible thing that happens to them. And so it says in verse 48, And so Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand, cut down a branch from the trees, and lifted it up and laid it on his shoulder. And then he said to the people who were with him, What you have seen me do, hurry and do likewise, as they gather together wood And all the people also cut down each one his own branch. And they followed Abimelech and put them on the inner chamber and set the inner chamber on fire and those inside so that all the men of the tower of Shechem also died, about a thousand men and women. The citizens of Shechem had gone to this refuge tower. And then Abimelech put his wood that he cut down and all of his worthless fellows around them And he burned to death a thousand men and women. Brings to mind the Jordanian pilot burned to death by ISIS. This is the ruthless, horrendous tragedy of the outcome of a proud man. And it's so destructive. It's so painful. And so we see this conflict to maintain it. And we see these traits of pride. Proud people attempt to maintain control and this is what we do. We won't burn down a thousand people. I doubt that there's anybody in this room that will burn down a thousand people. You won't even burn one person. You are sickened by the Jordanian pilots' burn. We are sickened by that. But proud people will express destructive behavior through anger, revenge, betrayal, deceit, lying, jealousy, and murder Matthew 5:21 Jesus says if you hate someone you've murdered them hatred that's emotional murder those are rooted in pride if you have an anger problem you have a spirit of revenge and vengeance against someone who maybe in a business dealing or maybe in a personal relationship had injured you in some way if you have a betrayal problem where you can't remain faithful to your spouse your parents your children if you have a deceit problem where you're covering up lies of your own heart, lies of your own mind, where there's a jealousy and a rage of hatred, your problem is pride. Because as Abimelech and his worthless characters that followed him, they expressed those quality traits. Abimelech was jealous of Gael trying to take his power away. How dare you? Those are proud problems. They're not anger problems. They're pride problems. And what we see then in conclusion is this. That God will judge the proud person. He will. As we see this timeless principle derived from Abimelech's life. Judgment delayed is not judgment denied. For three years he got away with it. And then God sent an evil spirit and says, Okay, I'm done with you, Abimelech. It's time for you to turn this thing around or you're going to be judged. And as he was judged... God reveals that he kept an account. We see in verse 50. Then Abimelech went to Thebez. He wasn't satisfied with Shechem. He had to even acquire more. So he goes to another town. And he camped against that town. And he captured it. You see, proud people are never satisfied. There's always one more thing of my power, my position, my prestige, and uh, pleasure. And there was a strong tower in the center of that city. And all the men and women were all the leaders of the city fled there and they shut themselves in and they went up on the roof of the tower and Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and approached the entrance of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head crushing his skull. It just happened to be a woman. She just happened to have a millstone standing around. She just happened to throw it off the side of the tower and it just coincidentally hit Abimelech right in the noggin. And injured him mortally. Coincidence? No. But we see the power of God. The judgment by God will be certain, swift, and surprising to crush our pride. And notice the pride of Abimelech even in death. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to them, Draw your sword and kill me so that it will not be said of me. A woman slew him. We, here we are 1,400 years later still talking about the woman that slew him. You see, that's the fourth P of the P's of pride, the P's of position, power, possessions, and then there is the value system of prestige. Prestige is what I want people to think about me, how I want people to view me. He says, I don't want people to think that I died by the hand of a woman, but he did die by the hand of a woman. Women were mistreated in those ways and slighted in so many ways. So the young man pierced him through and he died. And the men of Abimelech of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead and he departed to his own home. And then God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech which he had done to his father in killing his 70 sons. God repaid that wickedness. It was years later, but God repaid it. And God returned all the wickedness of the men of Shechem on their heads. The curse of Jotham, the son of Jeroboam, came upon them what jotham preached god fulfilled learn from what god says because god judges now let me walk you through something let me help us that's the bad news the good news is we can do something about all this on the back side of the outline that you have in your hand and i hope that you have a copy of this if you didn't get one i encourage you to get one before you go home today because I encourage you to read through this. I had to think long and hard how God, what are those things, at least I can put on here, it's a lot of words, they're a tiny print, small font, I get all that. But I wanted to package as much as you can spend as time today and later than today. And these are the things that we need to understand to overcome pride. You can pay a psychologist $300 an hour to help you overcome your pride, or I'm going to offer it to you and... $200 $200 an hour for free number one will you surrender yourself in humility under God's power and trust Him to care for your life First Peter says therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at time casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you we are so worried that if we lose these things we won't make it and God says just surrender to me Secondly, learn and live the traits of humility in Christ. In Philippians 2, do you regard others as more important than yourself? Let me cite a good example of that. We we don't always acknowledge everybody who is moving away, but I'm going to acknowledge this morning uh, Joe and Helen France who have been so, we're, we're so blessed by them and their humility of heartfelt service. An example of the humility of Christ. Joe, second hour is over here in the nursery helping kids every Sunday morning. Joe is uh, one who is here to uh, provide a host. He and his wife, Helen, on Wednesday nights for the Alpha Course. He comes Thursday mornings to help moms and more and offered to be paid for the position of helping those little ones that the moms and more moms bring. But he says, no, I I don't need any money. I don't want the money. He just serves. I've been to a widow's home where Joe was there, and Joe would help so many widows. He does so many handyman stuff. And I remember at one of the widow's homes over here, she's since passed away, she had these juniper trees that were, I don't know, like 50 feet high. I remember Joe went over there and he cut those things in half. I mean, it was, you, you'd, you, it looked like a week's worth of work, but there was Joe cutting them down in half. And he uses so many of his gifts as a heart of a servant. And so we honor Joe and Helen because they're moving away this week and we grieve over that loss. Just as them as people, but also the service they provide. That means others need to come alongside, behind Joe and Helen France, to provide for us the ministry that is required. I think Joe and Helen are sitting right over there, and he's really not happy that I'm talking about him right now. But that's the heart of humility. We don't like to be recognized, we don't do it for recognition what we see in Philippians chapter 2, these qualities. Do you struggle in your heart and your relationship to maintain control of your power, possessions, position? Are you willing to give up your rights in these areas? Will you give up your rights? If you're in a marriage conflict now, will you give up your rights in that marriage? You just surrender it and say, God, I'm going to walk by faith. I surrender it to you. You rule over this thing. I don't want my pride to get in the way. Are you teachable, open to correction, willing to obey God and how He directs your life? Are you or others suffering painful conflict because of your pride? Dropping down to the bullet points. Will you turn from deceit and lies to live in integrity and truth? Ephesians 4, you can read it. Will you turn from anger to love and acceptance of others? Will you turn from revenge and resentment to forgiveness of others? Pride, pr- humble people will do that. We say, yes, yes, I need to do that. I, I see this in my life. I see this anger, this resentment. I see this churning of my stomach and my heart and my emotions. I see this selfishness where I can't regard someone as more important because they're getting away with something terrible and I could never forgive them. Can you see within your heart the destructiveness of that? That Abimelech would kill 70 men, but you may be destroying yourself. And so God calls us to that. And will you admit that God has a final say in judging all pride? Abimelech paid the price for his own sin of pride. Or, as I put on here, will you let Jesus Christ pay the price of that judgment for you and find peace with God? Would you give up and surrender your pride and say, God, I don't want to be judged for my pride. I want you to take that judgment. I'm going to trust in Jesus as my Savior. Forgive me of my sin of pride. Forgive me of my selfish ways. And I surrender them to you. Forgive me of them. And God will take the judgment that comes on me and He's going to put it on His Son, Jesus. So I can be having peace with God. I can be reconciled with God. I can find peace with those around me because my heart of humility now allows me to surrender things that I always would hang on to and hold on to. God wants to set us free from those things and I want you to be set free from those things. And before we wrap up, as musicians are going to come up and play, I want to invite you to spend just a few quiet moments. We don't have a lot of time. But would you just spend a few quiet moments reflecting on those areas, those questions that are asked? How would you answer them? Is the Spirit of God saying anything to you in any of those areas? This is, Lord, this is an area that I need to work on. Work on it through me and let Him do that. So let's just spend a few quiet moments as the music plays and just reflect for just a moment. pray for us that god would speak into our hearts if there's anything in this passage of Abimelech, as horrible as it is that can be redeeming in our own personal lives in our own level of of experience that god would use that for us father help us now as we commit to you our lives father you gave us this terrible story it's so heart-wrenching to think of those lost lives 1,070, let alone all the others that were persecuted under Abimelech's authoritarian, cruel, terroristic rule. God, I pray that there is nothing of Abimelech in any of us in this room today. And that if there is anything like Abimelech and his pride in our hearts, God, that you would shine the light of truth upon that. As we reflect upon those passages on the backside, God, that there is something there that pricks my conscience, that stirs my heart with guilt. God, that I would turn to you and turn to those around me and find a freedom from pride and the manifestations of pride, of anger, resentment, revenge, jealousy, betrayal, and hate. God, that you would root those things out and find the freedom that comes in Christ where we surrender under the mighty hand of God and know that He cares for us as we cast all worry and anxiety on Him. Thank You, Father, as we bring our offerings to You now. We worship You by giving selflessly in humility, no pride, but we surrender all, and out of that we give to You now in service of Your name. In Jesus we pray, amen.